0: Welcome to Pod Aloha, dedicated to preserving the heritage of surfing and the spirit of Aloha. I'm Paul Strau, and I'm going to take you inside the stories of surfing's biggest influencers.
1: Hi, this is Kiernan. A proud Hawaiian and highly accomplished figure in both surfing and politics, Fred Hemings has been called the father of professional surfing in Hawaii. Square-jawed and built like a linebacker, Fred was an imposing figure. As a competitive surfer in the 1960s, he won the Makaha four times and the World Surfing Championship title in 1968. Fred would go on to pursue his dream to make professional surfing a reality. In 1975, Fred founded the World Cup of Surfing Championships. A year later, he and Randy Rarick co-founded the first pro surfing circuit, the International Professional Surfers. Successfully attracting corporate sponsors and a national television audience, Fred essentially established the platform for today's pro surfing. Fred was one of Paul's teammates on the Duke surf team and has been inducted into the International Surfing Hall of Fame and the Hawaiian State Sports Hall of Fame. He's written several books on surfing in Hawaii. His long career in politics included serving as Minority Leader of the Hawaiian State Senate. He's also got a gold Rolex given to him by the Duke himself, inscribed, Fred, the champ, from Duke. So, there's that. Aloha, Paul. Aloha, Kiernan. Before we get started, a little bit of Uh, quick business. I got to ask you, uh, what were those cool shorts you're wearing at Santa today?
0: Oh, they're they're really, really cool, too. Uh, They fit so well. They're my new Birdwell limited edition 311s, and they're royal blue with the royal Hawaiian colors on the the striping on both sides, uh, gold and and red. But they fit so well, and they even have a custom feature on the back, which is um, a redwood button, which symbolizes a an early board that belonged to my dad that I had a, the pleasure of riding a couple times.
1: I guess our dog Macaha loves the shorts, too. Yeah, that's that was a, a shout-out, that
0: right, in favor of the shorts. <laughs>
1: that's Thank right. Thank you, Makaha. Makaha, the dog, says, I like my Birdwell 311 Paul Stroud shorts. And and I love my favorite feature is probably the seal with you doing the Stroud 5. It was so cool when we were with uh, Sean Thompson the other day, right? And he... Who's saying I can't stand when people call it a cheater five? It's a straw five. It's a straw five. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Sean. Respect. Yeah,
0: that's a, that's another great tribute that we put on the shorts too. You know, yeah. it's a, um, a very nice statement. And I, in addition to the the um, the cheater five, uh, I love the little label in the center which says M- Malama Kekai, which is cherish the sea, which is very close and dear to my heart.
1: Yeah, it was. They're, they're beautiful shorts and uh, a really personal story when you know all those details behind it. So uh, a big shout out to Birdwell. They did a fantastic job. We're huge fans there. They just make great products. The Indeed. only thing that's crazy is I keep buying more shorts of theirs, and um, <laughs> you don't really only need one pair for probably like 50 years, right? That's <laughs> true. They
0: never wear out. They just hold together so
1: well. <laughs> they're incredible. I've I've taken to when I'm wearing my favorite pair now just almost every time I go I'm just trying to trying to break them trying to damage them can't do it
0: no if I mean seriously if you want you know the best for your money you know it's not necessarily the, the custom features but it's the lasting quality that you'll never be disappointed by
1: I agree well listen if anybody out there wants to get a pair of uh, the Paul Straub limited edition three elevens. Visit podaloha.com/slash store, and you'll be able to find out how you can get your own pair of these beautiful, beautiful shorts. All right, on with the show.
0: Okay. We're with Fred Hemmings, um, world champion surfer from Hawaii and a very close friend from the early days, uh, early beginnings in Waikiki. And I'm so excited to connect with you, Fred, to go over our early childhood all the way up to uh, current day in terms of our experience uh, riding waves beginning in Waikiki. and and all of the wonderful things that uh, both of us have accomplished. So I'd like to start out with asking you a few questions. Would you mind sharing uh, who was responsible for taking you to Waikiki and introducing you to the waves and the beach and and surfing?
2: Well, my father uh, was very influential. Uh, When we were kids, uh, we lived in a house of modest means in Kaimuki, my father uh, did two things. He wanted his children to go to Puno and he wanted them to paddle and surf at the Outerrider Canoe Club. So the old Outer Canoe Club was nestled between the Moana and the Royal Hawaiian Hotel uh, up to 1964. So as a young boy in the 50s, uh, my playground was the water in front of the Outer Canoe Club. and I started surfing at Baby Surf, which is just in front of the Royal and eventually graduated at canoes and then Queens. Well, I know you spent a lot of time, Paul, and then eventually number threes, uh, which we both uh, enjoyed a lot, and uh, that pretty much got my serving career going.
0: That's fantastic. During those early days, um, who were who were the people that you looked up to in the ocean? You know, those that uh, obviously caught your eye and attention.
2: Well, a lot of the people that uh, I rubbed shoulders with. Obviously, at the outrigger, uh, were very influential, and uh, the most prominent one, and probably the most prominent citizen of the 20th century, of course, was Duke Anamoku. Indeed, so we all revere him, and we, Paul, you, and I had the great fortune of traveling with him in his latter years. Yes, uh, but there were a lot of uh, there were a lot of men and women at the outrigger who served, and quite frankly, another special group that is unrecognized were the. Um, the Waikiki Beach Boys, and which was unique about them is back then in the 50s, most of the Beach Boys were pure Hawaiian, and you don't see many pure Hawaiians anymore. And, you know, it was uh, Steamboat Mokawahi, uh, yes. his son, uh, Menahoni, uh, James Coco, and, and numerous other colorful characters uh, were uh, pretty much the guys that watched out for the, quote-unquote, the kids of the outer here when they went surfing and Pretty much kept us out of the way from getting run over by them in their canoes, but yeah, they were a big influence, and I think all of us.
0: Oh, for sure. In fact, I think you know, contrary to to recognition currently, I mean, they were the first. Uh, um, they were the first members of the Waikiki Tourist Bureau that that took up and ingratiated the um, the visitors who um, came to Waikiki and took them out on surfboards and introduced them to surfing and the pleasure of riding waves, and they never forgot it, went home and brought their relatives and friends, and it just continued.
2: I think, Paul, that's uh, something that's gone from the sport now. Um, When you and I were young boys in Waikiki, uh, uh, there's still a lot of aloha in all of us, uh, but most especially the older uh, people, like, like Duke Kahanamoku. And the older members of the outrigger, we kind of took pleasure in introducing others, especially newcomers to Hawaii, to surfing and taking people surfing. And now that Aloha has turned into Aoi, you know, there's a a more of a negative environment now, uh, you know, with taking people surfing. And I guess it's a product of a lot of things, uh, including crowding. But uh, back then, most of the surfers enjoyed taking neophytes or young kids surfing.
0: Oh, I I totally agree with you, Fred. In fact, one of the things that, you know, really uh, stands out in my mind currently when I I get back from California, because I'm living here now, but go back to Hawaii and uh, paddle out, is the dramatic um, fact that nothing has changed. As long as you look at the horizon, it's the same as it was when I was just four years old, five years old pushed into waves on my dad's redwood board but as soon as you turn around and you face the land you see all the developments the high rise and high scrape you know high buildings and the multitudes of people there and my gosh it's so dramatic so I like I really try to keep that image in my head about looking at the horizon and seeing that beautiful blue water out there and you know, all the smiling faces of people in the surf and riding waves.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it's inevitable. Uh, as long as populations keep growing and no one's addressing the bigger problem there, uh, we're trying to put band-aids in, in all the world's problems that are caused by overpopulation, everything from starvation in Haiti to overcrowding uh, around the world and in places that have high demand like Hawaii. It's, resulted in uh, just a quagmire of people and bodies and surfboards and like a keys, uh, a traffic jam now most of the time.
0: Oh, I know. But, you know, you had such a, an amazing history, you know, in the sport of surfing. Uh, not only were you a, a world champion, but you also traveled. You know, everywhere, and then you also started your own competitive program. Would you mind sharing a little bit about what motivated you to move in that direction, uh, together with Randy or Eric? Because it was a milestone what you started at the time you started.
2: Yeah, it was interesting. There was a you know, Paul. History wears many faces, and uh, in the early days of pro surfing, uh, surfing uh, there were a lot of people in the late '60s who. Uh, had visions of surfing turn, turning professional. In 1966, I wrote an article for Surfer Magazine saying surfing needs professionalism. And actually, they they got someone to, to oppose that point of view. And the uh, guy wrote in the article something very funny, Paul. He said, Fred Hemmings is proposing fornicating with Mother Sea. Surfing became, in my opinion, bifurcated. There was kind of the gentleman surfers who were. Traditional surfers, um, many of us, including you, Paul, were inspired by Duke. And then they developed within the sport, uh, kind of an anti-establishment uh, face. And it was kind of like in your face. And we're surfers, and we're not part of the establishment. And it also got involved. The sport got involved a little bit with the, with some of the some of the alleged icons of the sport with LSD and other things. And so. The sport became rather uh, two-faced Or Janice And, uh, right. uh, you know, you and I And the uh, Duke's boys, quote-unquote Were part of the the establishment And uh, right. so it was an interesting time And I thought, personally That one of the things that would Elevate the image of the sport Was to take an next step With professionalism So that um, pro surfers would have to be healthy people That uh, were in good shape And would... Uh, Perform and, and earn a living for 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 entering and winning events, and uh, as was being done in most other sports, and so the idea took hold. And, uh, and uh, in I along with uh, sponsors put together the first Pipeline Masters. It's in its forty-eighth year, and uh, we had a number of other contests. We started the World Cup, and then in 1976, I brought Randy Rarick on board to. Uh, helped manage the events and uh, at that time we also founded the world's first pro surfing circuit which now is run by the World Surfing League so it's really come a long way Paul. It, uh, um, gosh it has. The first Pipeline Masters I put on uh, we only had six en- enters, uh, contestants I mean, and we gave away a thousand dollars and the first place guy uh, won $500 it was Jeff Hackman and, of course, now, now the winners of uh, Major Pro Venture are winning, you know, $50,000. So the sport really has progressed and uh, is is what I uh, always dreamed it would be a respected worldwide uh, sport. my opinion, Paul, and I think there's, you know, empirical evidence that surfers are probably the best athletes in the world when you look at it objectively. Uh, mm-hmm. Surfers have the of uh of bullfighters they they you know they ride waves that could kill you at, at, at Wy Bay or uh, other spots around the world uh, they have the agility of gymnasts uh, with the number of maneuvers they're doing now, especially something Paul you and I could never dream of all the aerial things they're doing in the air no a lot of these guys are spending much time in the air as on the surface of the wave uh. And they have tremendous endurance because, uh, you know, surfing heavily and, and catching a lot of waves, you you got to be in pretty good shape. Uh, Indeed, it's like paddling or running a hundred yard dash and then jumping into a a maelstrom or a washing machine. See how well you do. So, okay, no I, I contend that surfers are, are tremendous athletes. Well, I totally agree.
0: You know, also, you know, while you're talking, you know, this my mind takes me back to oh the, the earlier days of, of our surfing uh, competitive career and and you know I remember those days with um, um, Duke Kanamoko who you know who used to be the uh, guest of honor out at the, the old macaw contest every year and then having a the good fortune of, of being invited together with you um, by Kimo McVeigh, who managed Duke and opened up Duke Hanamoku's restaurant in, uh, in Waikiki. Um, and then forming the Duke Hanamoku uh, Duke uh, surf team, which included uh, yourself, me, um, Joey Cabell, and Butch Van Artsdalen, and starting the Duke uh, Surf Club. I mean, it was just a fantastic time to celebrate one of the greatest uh, men of sport ever to come out of Hawaii, uh, was an ambassador of, uh, for Hawaii uh, to the world, representing uh, Hawaii so well, Duke Honomoku. Would you mind sharing a, just a, a little bit of uh, your personal relationship with Duke and what he meant to you?
2: Sure. Yeah, Paul, well, you and I are incredibly fortunate. Um, we spent the last several years of Duke Honomoku's grand life with him traveling uh, uh, with, you know, Duke Hanamoku Surf Team and doing promotions. we I remember we flew to Houston, Texas for a promotion. One of the best fun trips we took was uh, Kimo McVeigh was a uh, a real bond, a real happy, wonderful, innovative guy. And he had a great flair for promotion. Mm-hmm. And he started the uh, Duke Honomoku Restaurant in the back of the old international marketplace. And he had the uh, various floor shows and um, he decided to take a gamble and try this unknown entertainer uh, that was at, playing at honey's restaurant in conioli the unknown entertainer that he tried was a guy named don ho mm-hmm. and don ho became a superstar overnight and chemo uh, was making money faster than than he could uh, count it and as a result um, we all went on a trip for Don Hull to make his debut at the Coconut Grove nightclub in Los Angeles. Uh, and we stayed at the Ambassador Hotel. And it was just a, a grand, grand trip. And, uh, Gosh, I have fond awesome memories. So, so loading up a road rollercoaster with surfboards and yeah. going surfing with Duke to, uh, to Seikos and, uh, and we eventually ended up in Malibu. And uh, right. Kimo had also... Arranged Kahala Sportswear to make uh, uh, Duke Kahanamoku shirts, law print shirts, and we made uh, law print uh, sneakers or uh, mm-hmm. topsider shoes. Uh, uh, you know, we, we we just had a, a wonderful time, and, and money cannot buy those experiences. No, uh, especially the spending the last few years of Duke's life with them.
0: You know, I'll never forget Fred because you reminded me uh, several times. Uh, we were doing an autograph session on that trip, one of those trips to Los Angeles with Duke, and I remember uh, an older gentleman coming up uh, to get, I thought, get a get Duke's autograph uh, on a photo that we were giving out, and he came up to Duke, and he's from the from behind a couple people. He just stuck his arm out, and he says, "Hey, Duke, remember me? I met you in New Jersey when you were there swimming competitively." That was a long time ago. Do you remember me? And I looked over at Duke, and I I was hoping that he would be, say, you know, come out with the guy's name or at least respond to him. And he turned around, and he says, Gosh, I can't tell you how good it is to see you. How are you? And he stuck his hand out, that big hand, and, oh, my gosh, the guy's face just melted. Do you remember that?
2: I sure do. No, that was was the... uh... The hidden joy of Duke That he he always found a way To to, to make other people joyful and happy And uh, recognizing that man Obviously, the real reply was How the hell can I remember you all these years <laughs> later uh, Duke, Duke made him feel aggratiated and recognized Which is a great gift you can give a human
0: Oh my gosh, yeah I mean, I, I continue You know, whenever I have... Um, moments that come to me, and his image comes to me, and I think about those times. It's mean, just such a, wor- a fortunate experience to have had him in my life. And I'm sure you feel the same way, yeah. to, to have a, a oh, model sure. like that, you know? To, to always yeah. remember it's, fondly.
2: Well, I'm finding Paul at my age, and this is what I'm trying to do with my grandkids, one of the life's greatest treasures uh, can be good memories. And uh, those treasures are getting more valuable as I get older, and quite frankly, those are some of the treasures I'm trying to plant with my grandkids. And you know, obviously, I did it with my kids too. Sure. Uh, so someday they can remember the time they went with Papa, to, you know, to Puerto Rico or to Peru or to San Francisco or uh, these trips we go on. And so you're right, memories are are a great treasure, and we all have one of the greatest treasures of all his memories, uh with Duke There's not Paul I, just, I hate to tell you this, but I think we're getting old because <laughs> there's not many people around anymore that uh that had first hand personal relationships with Duke.
0: You're absolutely right. It's true. Gosh, it was such a privilege. Fred, I just wanna congratulate you for all you've done. For, for for surfing and for people who have come into contact with you on a personal level and how you've helped advance the sport in so many different ways. And also for being a good friend over all these years and participating today in this uh, podcast. Uh, and you've always been a man of a law to me. And love you, Guy. Really do.
2: Well, oh, Paul, uh, one of the other great blessings uh, of my life is, is going through this time and space, probably the most exciting period in human history, and having you as one of my buddies. Uh, it's my pleasure, and uh, all the best to you, and aloha. Thank you very
0: much, Fred. I'll see you soon. Aloha.
2: Aloha.